I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How you doing, mate? I'm fine, Paul. How are you, mate? I'm very well, and welcome all to a chapter of my life with local author, Mr. Stephen Pennell. How's things? Things are great, mate. The book's the book's flying out. So I've just had a I've just had an order on Messenger from Dublin. So I'll be getting that in the envelope and getting up the post office tomorrow morning. And uh, that's how people can um, get hold of it. The paperback is uh, through Stephen Pennell on Facebook. And then you can just message me on Messenger. Add me as a friend. And then as soon as you've got your book, you can block me if you like. <laughs> I did look at the intro and there's a few blues fans that I've actually blocked because <laughs> because of my love of Jack Grealish. And and Birmingham is a it's a funny city, isn't it? Because we've we, we grew up together, we intermarry each other, we're a yeah. we're a funny group of people, we love each other and absolutely some people hate each other in equal measures as well. Also, for the for, for the people that aren't actually Brummies, they probably don't know where where we are or where we're coming from. But that's the way it is. Is there any other way to, to get hold of the book? Are you selling it via Amazon or is it just purely through you, Stephen? Uh, you can get it. You can get you can download the ebook if that's your thing. You can get that from Amazon. Yeah. Um, but um, you can't get the paperback from Amazon. Sure. It's either it's either me or you, or if you're in town a lot, you can pick it up from the printers, which is in Waterloo Street. But again, uh, they're open ten till three. So again, if you want details of of exactly where that is, um, come and see me. But it's um, it's Call Quick on Waterloo Street, yeah, next so- to Phil Potts. And if you go if you go in there, if you pop in there and talk to Mark Eagles, um, he'll happily hand you one over, and we'll sort out the money. Uh, Biggie, Biggie to his pals and one of my oldest school friends as well. Have to say, when did you decide to write this masterpiece? I've read it and I went to school with Bill, Bear, Biggie and Wilf. And trust me, in English, we did nothing. All we did was argue about Birmingham City and Aston Villa. And I didn't read anything. It took me probably two days to read your book. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic read, mate. So congratulations. Thanks very much, Paul. Well, I didn't do a lot in English, really, either. I think I was a bit of a natural, to be honest, because um, when I put my uh, name down for, you know, you do your options in the third year. Yep. You you say what you're going to do. And I I was in a bit of a panic because I was a bit of a, I was probably a bit naughty, really. And uh, I told, uh, I said I was going to do O-levels and everything. And all the teachers laughed at me. (laughs) And they said, you've got no chance of doing O-levels. And then when I went back in the fourth year, I thought, oh, blimey, I've got to get on with it because all my older brothers and sisters were really clever. Yeah. And uh, I thought, our mum and dad's going to be disappointed in me. So as, when I went back in the fourth year, I wrote, I wrote an essay in English. And um, 
I signed it off as if it was a police report of uh, some fighting at the football. Yeah. So I signed it off as PC, Plod or whoever. And the teacher said to me, I can't teach you nothing about English. She said, I'm going to put you in for the O-level in November with last year's 50 years of doing resits. Mm-hmm. So I did it in November and I passed it and I didn't have to do any more English then for the last 18 months of school because I'd already got the O-level. So you'd already got a good idea of English, English literature. Were you very learned? Did you read much? What, what's your background? Uh, we don't want to give too much away, Steve, but uh, yeah. what, what's your background? Because this this is your first novel, but you have written another book before this, hadn't you? Yeah, um, I'd say my background in writing, really. I, 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 had, um, I had a poem read out on the radio when I was little, when I was eight. And uh, I just want to say, my daughter Amber is already a published poet at seven. Well, she's ten now, but she had a publish a poem published at seven, yeah. so that's run, running nicely in the family. And writing and literature does run in the family. Um, my mum's mum, who died when my mum was um, eighteen, she used to recite poetry at the town hall. Um, way back, probably in the early twentieth century, I'd say that yeah. must have been. Um, my sister writes for, uh, you know, she does articles for Take a Break and OK and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I've got another sister who writes um, historical novels, but I don't think she's had anything published. And um, my, my my late brother, Johnny, used to write um, religious tracts because he, he went to, uh, he was a, an evangelist preacher in France. Oh, right. So there's a, and, and my mum used to write the Christmas concert for the uh, ladies at the GPR all sketches and different things like that. So it's in the family. And as Stephen King says, you know, if you can talk, you can write. Yeah, you can. You just have to think about what you'd say and get it down on paper. Now, witty and gritty, um, and also joys and sorrows, it's a book that has everything. And you look at it and you think, well, who, who would this book appeal to? And I believe anybody because i think it's a fantastic read you you love the characters and hate some of the other characters in Mm. in in the same way it really does have twists and turns it's got football it's got as it says on the cover gangsters geezers and mods where did you come up with the title and the the artwork is fantastic as well who who, who got involved with that well, well, the title, I thought to myself, well, it's got all them three things in. And yeah. I wanted to try and just do an appealing title, really, yeah. uh, where I thought, you know, that covers a few demographics, you know, because, you know, gangster books are, are popular, gangster culture and all that's popular. And mm-hmm. as I was trying to trying to get the uh, the hooli the lit market. And uh, obviously mods, I was trying to get that, you know, yeah. that, because some people are buying... I'll buy anything with the word muds on the top, on the front. Yeah. And I thought there must be some other people like that as well. And and I've tried to sort of uh, cover all three of them. I mean, the reason why it ended up sort of so, as you say, it's kind of all-encompassing is because I thought that, you know, the, the, the football stuff, I was going to write something called maybe um, I was a useless hooligan or something like that, you know. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I just never had enough. Yeah. You know, and then... Um, the gangster story I came up with, and I didn't think that was long enough. Mm-hmm. So I sort of put a narrative together and tied them all in, and you, and you wouldn't know it, would you, that it's about three different things. Yeah. 
so uh, that's how it, that's why I think it covers um, a few bases, and uh, it's it's really nice of you to speak so kindly of it, mate. Yeah, I, I honestly thought it was brilliant, and as I say, the the thing with the thing with kind of hooligan books, and and it isn't a hooligan book. It isn't particularly a gangsters book, and it isn't particularly a mod book. It's a book that that, that would appeal to all genres and all people. And I suppose if you're over the age of fifty five, like we are, even more so because some of the references, like to Black Jacks and the Corner Shop and Alpine Pop and 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 stuff like that, it does make you smile, and it. It brings back wonderful memories of our childhood. How long did it make take you to to formulate the story and, and bring all those three things together as one? Well, it took longer than it should have, really. Yeah. But um, I, I had that. <clears throat> I brought when I, when I wrote uh, the uh, season diary, Star Spangled Villains, in two thousand and seven. Yeah. I thought to myself, well, I might I might have another book in me, you know. That, that really appealed to me that when, when I saw that finished and out there on the streets. And uh, so I thought I'd have another go at it. And I, was, I had about the first two or three chapters. And then, uh, then my son wiped it all off my computer. He, you know, he, he, was about, he was, must have been about 18 at the time, thought he knew everything. I can, I can format your PC for you, Daddy said. Next thing I know, it had all gone. I took, it, I, took it over to, I took it into a computer repair shop and they said, no, we can't find anything on the hard drive. And um, so that was gone and I sort of gave up on it. Yeah. And, then, and then we were just moving a few things around in the house and I found a lot of it on hard copy probably about three years ago and I thought, right, I've got quite a bit now on hard copy. I've got to try and um, I'm going to try and finish that off. And uh, so that's how, that's that's the kind of timeline of it, really. And then um, when I finished it, I sent it I sent it to me to my friend uh, Simon Page, who used to write for Heroes and Villains, yeah. to to proofread it. You know, I couldn't get nobody to read it, and uh, I didn't know if it was any good. I was sitting there thinking, oh, it might be a load of rubbish. This, and I sent it to a, a proof to Simon, and uh, he said it's really good. He said you just need to make the ending a bit longer, and mm. and he said. Um, he said things like, he, he did me a, a big page of notes. He didn't write anything, but it's, it's amazing how much a proofreader helps. He said things to me like, um, if you went to Farquhar Road in the book, why did you get off the train at Five Ways instead of University? And I was like, oh, yeah. So it, it helps having somebody with such a, a fantastic knowledge of Birmingham that could point out any tiny little faux pas like that. For instance, I put, there's a little bit about... Um, a bowling alley in in uh, Hurst in Hurst Street, and he said it's in Pershaw Road. He said not Hurst Street. I said, oh okay. And little things like that, he, he wised me up on and pointed out the little mistakes, and that and that was a really big help for me. Now the attention to detail, as you've just alluded to, there is absolutely fantastic. For people that are going to buy the book from out of town, from other areas, it wouldn't mean nothing to them. But it does to us brummies. I love the uh, the mad English teacher. We've always had a mad English <laughs> teacher, haven't we? Um, yeah. uh, we? We don't want to give too much away, but his after-school activities are absolutely legendary, and yeah. it is in the book. All the chapters of the book are named after songs as well, because you know you work, you write for the Birmingham Press, and you've recently done uh, a, a review of the uh, of the Twang when they played just down the uh, was it the British Open they played in Birmingham. Yeah, Sturgeley. yeah, Sturgeley, yeah, yeah. The new Mosley, Sturgeley, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that went down really well because um, the Twang uh, retweeted it. So it's got quite a few views, that has. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
I love the twang. I've only got into them about, probably about the last year. Yeah. I missed I, I missed the sort of the debut album and all that because the bloke who lent me the debut album was a, was a bit of a div to be honest. So I never bothered. I never bothered listening to it before I gave it him back, and I yeah. really missed out there. I think. But yeah, mainly, mainly Paul Weller, the the uh, the chapter title. Yes. Paul Weller solo, bit of the twang, bit of the bit of the style council, the streets. Uh, the impressions, Namaiwa, who's a great local singer, soul singer, Miss Jazz, yes, yeah, and um, yeah, she's fantastic. I think she's calling herself just Namaiwa now, she's yeah, had she's, a kind yeah. of a, a rebranding, mm-hmm. but she's fantastic. And also, Call Me Unique, as well, that you reference, and Lady yeah. Sure in, in, the, uh, in the book, as well, yeah. I loved, yeah. I loved the compact ambitious. Now, we're not going to tell anybody what football ground it is, but it's a great reference of a, of a football ground in this country that was, that was your first away trip, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, some people have said that's a very, very emotional passage. Yeah, it is. For them. Yeah. And um, I'm, re- I'm really glad because, you know, that was the kind of, that was just the kind of bloke my dad was, but you'll yeah. have to read it, so. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to give anything away or very, too much very away. Full of sacrifice. Yeah. No. And also I love I love the uh, the Silver Jubilee because it, in 1977 we did have the Silver Jubilee. We've no. had another one since, but it was nothing like that one. And you met one of your heroes as well. We don't want to give anything away, but I read that and I went, wow. Yeah, Eric Houghton, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a great man. Um, you know, very modest, uh, obviously with uh, very little to be modest about, considering what a great footballer he was, yeah. and a uh, pretty good manager as well. He's done something that no Villa manager's done in the 60-odd years since, won the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, so you've got your, your Ron Saunders and your Ron Atkinsons, and, you know, who, who, none of them could none of them could get us to the, win the FA Cup. But Eric Outen, and then he, give, he gave... Uh, Years of service as a director, of course, and he was in the team that refused to give the Nazi salute in no, Germany. Absolutely. Mm. And also, so a great played, man. Played uh, cricket for Warwick as well? Yes, of course he did, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I put anything about that, did I? I'll be honest, I think you had a better result at Warwick than what Eric Houghton did. Again, another brilliant story in that book. I was falling about (laughs) laughing with that story. How anybody could just do what you did there and pulled it off is just, it's just phenomenal. That's why it's called a confidence trick, Paul. You just have to be confident. Uh, (laughs) I don't know whether I can say too much about it. No, no, let's leave it there. let's, Let's get people thinking about that confidence trick. But if you're looking at... In a scale of one to ten, I'm saying that confidence trick's probably eleven or twelve. Oh yeah, it's a class. It's a classic. It's a classic and very lucrative. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it, it got me so much more than money. Of course, it did. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and and that's it. And we're going to leave it there. It did get you so much more than money. What also got you in a sticky situation. Was the uh, the meeting at the Barton Arms again fantastic? And there's a little bit of the old gangsters mole there, Molly, and um, 
bit of a grasser a situation that went back many years and yeah and, and then more twists and turns while uh, you were sitting there smoking on your cigar with again another result by your ingenuity in sorting something out via the birmingham mail which again was quality yeah and um a little bit exaggerated but um yeah it was uh, very true uh, but I just didn't make quite as much money as I made out I did in the book. But yeah. I, made quite, I made quite a few quid. And it was all legal. So, But again, most of in the book is, is legal. Okay, with gangsters and geezers, there's going to be a little bit of um, things that, that, that do touch upon the dark side, of course. Yeah. But but what you'd done, you'd done with a smile and you'd done with an... It was almost like the artful dodger type of, of, of situation, wasn't it? You were a step yeah. ahead of the opposition. Well, yeah. I mean, I wanted to... Um, I get fed up uh, of, um, you know, the, the way Birmingham is, and the way Brummies in particular are portrayed yeah, absolutely. in the media a lot of the time. Mm. I think Tommy Shelby's really cool. Yeah. But, but before that, we've had, you know, Benny from Crossroads. Now, Paul Henry's a great bloke, yeah. don't get me wrong. But, you know... He was the national idea of what a Brummie was until he was until he was supplanted by Barry in Avida's own pet. Yeah, and they were both a bit, you know, uh, not the brightest lamps in the street, were they? Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted I wanted to show that you know we, we are the most inventive and creative city in the world, uh, and I wanted to show that. And in, and some of the people are a bit sharper than your average. Cockney and your average scouser. <laughs> I mean, they they can mouth off and they can show off and everything, and they'll tell you they're going to rob you. We'll just keep in the background, and you won't even notice. And your introduction, it starts a few months ago. I read an article in the Guardian about Birmingham. That's the first sentence, and then you reference so many instrumental, iconic Brummies, um, Birmingham places situations in Birmingham that when you look at that and it's written down in front of me in text, you're looking, you just think, wow, it's absolutely right. Lawn tennis, mm. the first lawn tennis just by the botanical gardens. Yeah. You know, the first lawn tennis game that was ever played is, is was in Edgebaston. It's not there no more. But one of my customers told me it's somebody's back garden, I think in Westfield Road now. It, you right. know, it's, in, it's absolutely incredible. The Icon Gallery, you know, the Barber Institute of Fine Arts. We've got it, everything, everything in Birmingham, more miles of canals in Birmingham than Venice. Birmingham is a great city. And you're right, it's always been talked down and not up, and you're talking Birmingham up. Tis was another iconic uh, TV show that Fantastic. was uh, ju- just again golden, wasn't it? The, the golden years, the halcyon days, and, yeah. and those halcyon days are referenced in your in your book with your love of Aston Villa because that's where you got involved in them early seventies. And Alex Cropley was one of your heroes that you referenced in there as well. Yeah, he was a fantastic player, Paul. You know, he was uh, he was an all rounder. He wasn't the biggest, but you know, mm-hmm. he he could put himself about, and uh, he had uh, you know he had so much ability. I mean, I mean, we were lucky in a way. I, I talk about my number ten shirt that I bought because yeah. you know I remember you used to buy the numbers, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You could you could buy the numbers from the shop, and you you know, you know, but you had to iron them on yourself. I know they do them in the club shops now. Yeah. But in them days, you had to take them home. And you get your mum to iron them on. Yeah. So I got a number 10 on because I like Chico Hamilton. 
and then and then when Alex Cropley came, I thought, well, I like him as well. I'll keep this number ten. Yeah. And then when Alex Cropley, you know, unfortunately, he never really recovered from that really bad yeah. leg break he got against the Albion. And then we had Cavans. Yeah. So I was that number ten shirt lasted me well. Yeah. And then, that, every every number ten was my favourite player. But yeah, he was a fantastic player, and um, you know, they were great days down there. You know, the, the, I think the beginning of the end, really, for the Alton was when they put that fence up the middle. Yeah. You know, that 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 sort of spoiled it a bit. Before that, it was just, I couldn't wait to get there every week. But, but you your, your modern day number 10 is just as iconic as all those that you've referenced. Yeah, possibly more so, I think, because, you know, uh, whatever you say about... Uh, I don't know about Chico and, and uh, Cropley and Sid, but I mean, you've got the kids now, they've all got the haircuts yeah. and everything, you know, and he's he's really sort of like at the zeitgeist, isn't he? Yeah, Jack Greenish, everybody's talking about him. I think, yeah. I'm not sure if Gareth Southgate, his agent, because he's, he's made him the most talked about footballer in, in the world, you know. Yeah. Why not pick? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Get him all the time. And also has a fan club of so many former pros. I do a regular show with Alan Hudson. I've interviewed Tony Curry. I do a regular yeah. one with uh, Terry Curran as well. All, all three think he's fantastic. As does Simon Steinrod as well, another former oh, yeah. Aston Villa number 10. Let's talk mm. about an Aston Villa number 8. And in 1996, you saw that cup final. You didn't with the one against uh, Leeds United. You had a bit of a... a no, ju- I saw the... Le- yeah, the Leeds one was 96. Oh, sorry. The, the Man United won 94. I missed that one. Sorry, that's what... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a, being a blue nose, that, that's what I meant. The, the Leeds one when you won 3-0, but the one before which was... Uh, it was Ron Atkinson, wasn't it, against Manchester yeah, yeah. United? Tactical masterclass. Yeah, you had a Jan a Gianluca day, didn't you? <laughs> and we'll leave that there as well with the wash, okay. you know, yeah, with the washwoods, with the yeah. washwoods as well, yeah, yeah, because there's quite a reference to the washwoods as well. Again, there's a lot of Birmingham references and a lot of humour, but in that 1996, where you were, you must have felt like a 15 year old kid with that girl on your arm. And when I was talking, when I interviewed Brian Little, I've recently done a. a, a a podcast with Brian Little and he said that day 
1996, he felt like that 15-year-old that had just got off the train and fell in love with that football club in Birmingham Six. And again, the Birmingham Six reference is there in the book. You're playing football, jumpers down for goalposts in Aston Park as well. Yeah. That's right, mate. It was, it, it, you know, they, they were fantastic times. And what a player he was, by the way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What a, what a talent he was. I always thought he was better than Trevor Francis, Paul. I don't know what you think about that, mate. To be fair, I've, I've always <laughs> said... Uh, I mean, my first argument when I interviewed Brian and Peter with, my first argument in school was about Brian Little, and my last argument in school was about Peter with. So, okay. you know, but they were, for me, Brian Little and Trevor Francis, they... They were the two kings of Birmingham. And for lots of people that, that don't really... Francis gets a lot of accolades because he went over to, to Italy and he won the European Cup. But I, I think Brian Little was every inch Trevor's equal. Yeah, he, he, he was certainly a great player. He was a Rolls-Royce of a footballer, you know. Yeah, um, but more maverick than Trevor. Far more maverick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Brian told me about when he tried to nutmeg the goalkeeper uh, when they played against Oldham and he scored a trick. He missed a, a penalty just before half time, and Saunders gave him a right round of. But that that was <laughs> he, he was a, he was a cheeky fella, a little bit yeah. like you. Oh right, okay, yeah. Uh, well, that's I'll take that as a compliment, mate. Well, you should do, Stephen, because everything is complimentary in this book. It's absolutely fantastic. There's also a story of good karma as well, isn't there? Yeah, you know, I, I, I believe in karma. Yeah. I think uh, you know, it's like that old one, isn't it, about uh, be nice to people on the way up. Yeah, because you'll meet some on the way down. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a good, there's a good example of that in the book. And a, a lesson for us all, I think. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Nice to be nice. You're only here once, and it's nice to be nice. Do you know, I think that you might as well do a good job and be nice to people, because the alternative, you know, I think it, it does come back and, and bite you on the bum, and I think rightly so as well. Yeah. Great references yeah. to a couple of the crews as well, sea crew from Aston Villa and the uh, and the Source Force and the, uh, and the Zulus. <laughs> yeah. Lovely story when that you was being chased around the town as well by, <laughs> by, by the boys. I did feel for you because I, I get chased around the uh, the internet by, by them these days. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> I know you do, Paul. I've noticed. <laughs> well, you will, you will stack up, you will stick up for our Jack, wouldn't you? you bring I, I, it on yourself, really. I, well, to be fair, Terry Curran says I'm with the Blues fans, Gabby. I, you know, you are a Blues supporter, and you keep talking up Jack Grealish. But you know what, Stephen? All I've ever done is tell the truth and said things as I see it. And if it gets me into trouble, so be it. In my opinion, Jack's the greatest English football player in the country at this present moment in time. And I'd build build the England team around such a fantastic talent as uh, as Jack Grealish. The Blackpool trip was fantastic and iconic as well, mate. And Burnley as well. Yeah. But, yeah, well, that was the way it was in our eyes. But, I mean, you know, you could, you could, um, you could do that kind of thing. Yeah. Back in the 70s. I don't think... I'm sure there was just as much danger about for people. But probably because we didn't see it on the telly or the internet all the time. Mm. You know, your parents was a lot more laissez-faire, let's say. That was yeah. a bit more, you know... I mean, for instance, my, my brother, uh, who's 10 years older than me, he used to hitchhike to away games when yeah. he was like 10 or 11. Uh, yeah. 10 years later, our mum and dad would never let me do that. But they'd let me go on a train on my own. Yeah. You know, and now... 
if, if my son come to me nine years old and said, I mean, he wouldn't even think about it because he hasn't had the kind of upbringing where he could think, oh, I'll get on a bus and then go on a train. Yeah. It just it just wouldn't occur to him and I wouldn't let him either. But, you know, that's how times have changed. I think things were more innocent back in our day, wasn't it? I mean, and, and we're saying that and there was so much terrorist violence. <laughs> you know, there, there, yeah. there was... I don't think our mum and dad knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there wasn't the social media and there wasn't the, the, the TV channels that, that spout it out. You know, people yeah. in the game and fans knew what was going on. But, you know, I think it's like, you, you, you know, your parents didn't because they... They they weren't going around in the same circles as what you were, and and, mm-hmm. and and so they shouldn't really because they were your parents. They were of another generation. That's it, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, probably if they'd have known the kind of things that we, we saw, whether we got up to them or not, yeah. you know, that probably would have been a, a lot a lot more um, worried about us. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, we just used to go, th- you know, thirteen or fourteen years old. Just go uptown, get on a train, and that was it. Probably about, you know, I think it was about five or six of us from our street. And, um, uh, you know, our parents didn't think anything of it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, I was only talking to my mate the other day, uh, and, you know, one of the, one of the legendary uh, away games was um, West Ham in the uh, FA Cup quarterfinal yeah. in 1980. And we, we probably should have won the Cup that year because West Ham won it as a second division team. Yeah. Uh, and we were, you know, just about to win the league the next season. Mm-hmm. And, um, but my God, it was terrifying. I mean, you know, there was lots of villa there mm-hmm. and there was fighting all game. But, that, you know, that, it was in the, they all say that that was the game where they decided that they'd got to get organised, the villa. Yeah. Uh, into, and what, what gave birth to the secret. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was terrifying and, I was just talking to my mate about it the other day, and he says, I know, he says, I can't believe it. We went all the way there. He said, I I was 14. He said, I survived that day, got back to town and got mugged by skinheads in town. (laughs) (laughs) Was it Ray Stewart? Was it a Ray Stewart penalty that knocked Villaray through memory, yeah? Yeah, it was on ball, weren't it? There was an on ball, and I don't know whether it was Ken McNaught or or their centre-forward who on balled it, but all the refs saw was a hand. Mm. And he, he and he thought it was McNaught. I'm not sure. I haven't seen that many replays. Now, of course, you'd, you'd have no problem there because VAR, VAR had sorted out, wouldn't it? Probably. Absolutely. And a, a, another place that almost sorted you out was a place that you would not ever think about. Probably the most tranquil of places and grounds. But um, lovely yeah. little uh, passage in the uh, the book about the away trip where um, all the boys are holding hands, but we're not going to go there and we're not going to tell them what ground and what city. But, okay. you know, buy the book and, and, and read it because it is a fantastic read. I love the, the passage as well about the um, villa was selling a player and you put your villa kit on and your boots and you trap round all the pubs and got some money to try and get this player to stay at Aston Villa. Absolutely yeah. quality, mate. I mean, you, you, you uh, I, I saw a little kid on the... Uh... On the telly the other day, he was doing something similar to that. Yeah, he, he he was he was he was raising money to. I can't remember which player it was now, but you know they had him on Sky Sports and everything, and I thought bloody yeah. hell, yeah. they didn't they didn't take any notice of me when I did it. We didn't have Sky Sports. They, weren't, they didn't have 24 hours a day to film, did they? We didn't. And the only games really that was on telly in those days was the FA Cup final, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, a few England games and yeah. 
I don't think even the England games are live, were they? Unless they were in the World Cup. The World no, Cup some of the World Cup qualifiers, I seem to remember. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, like it was Poland. Pre- well, it's pretty much uh, sports night, and again, you talk about sports night in the book because of that epic uh, cup final of Aston Villa in nineteen. Uh, it was 77, yeah, where it, yeah. it went to uh, the first game at Wembley and kipping out and getting the, the, the tickets and, and so on. And, and then the next game. And then it, it come alive, really, didn't it? Uh, Old Trafford in the yeah, second third, replay. the second replay. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic game, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, we was, of course, then, you know, if you didn't go, uh, like you say, there weren't any live games on. Tony Butler was the man, weren't mm-hmm. he? Get your prayer mats out. <laughs> That's it, Al Saunders of the Villa. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was uh, quite revolutionary, actually, uh, Tony Butler. I mean, he, he sort of paves the way for a lot of uh, sort of shock jocks and people like that, phone-ins and stuff like that, didn't they? I think he the thing very, is with Tony, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, and certainly in, in our area, I would put Tony up there as number one and and the pioneer of uh, football football radio phonings and commentary because you know as, as you've alluded to there the shock jock but you yeah. know what Tony Butler wasn't shock what you actually seen of Tony Butler is what you got <laughs> he, I mean he, he he was like that he wasn't putting nothing on he, he wouldn't pull no punches break down mm. the door on your bike on your bike and that yeah. was a boxing reference on your bike on your bike backpedaling because he was a massive fan of uh, of boxing as as well as football as well i thought tony was fantastic legendary oh he was yeah i mean you know uh to be honest about although you say local and round here that mm. was like really nationally influential there weren't another yeah. station that had people of the of the caliber mm. of uh tony butler les ross and uh ed doolan yeah you know they were all they were top top broadcasters and then you know that was like obviously commercial radio had just started that, yeah. they were the they were the trailblazers there, there weren't even people like them in the other local radio stations across the country because brb was the first one anyway i think money yeah i think i think it wasn't and, and, and you're absolutely right because i think even now when you bring it up to date i still don't think we've got people as you've just said there ed doolan legend Mm. Who's the boss? Les Ross. I mean, he got all us kids up, didn't he? You know, because yeah. he was on the uh, breakfast time in BRMB when when we were at school. And and Tony, I just think Tony was just different class. Tony Butler taught everybody else how to be a broadcaster. Yeah. And impartial as well, unlike some that we've had in this area. The um, mm. have got the nosy so far up certain football clubs' backsides. It's untrue. But to- yeah. Tony got banned at Birmingham City because he wouldn't play the game. And that's what I love in people. Say it as you see it. That's right. And that's what Tony used to do. Very uncompromising. And, um, you know, he wouldn't let nobody uh, browbeat him into towing any kind of party line, would he? No, and I think probably that was Tony's demise, that he wouldn't mm. play the game. And I think these days everything's particularly sanitised. And if you don't do as you're told, you're not going to come in. Well, Butler would just say, "Don't, I don't want to come in, then I'll knock that door down. And you couldn't control Butler. That's right. I love uncontrollable people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you like that book. Although you controlled... No, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say who you contro- controlled because I want people to buy your book, link up with you, Stephen, buy the book, but you did control. 
and that's all we're going to say. And it it started where it finished or it finished where it started. And every page was a page turner full of just brilliant writing, mate. So congratulations. Well done. And I'm looking forward to Gangsters, Geezers and Mods Part 2, pal, because there's got to be a follow-up to this book. It's so good. I'll do my best, mate. You know, it really, to be honest, it really took it out of me. And I've started... I've started writing a little bit, um, but I've got this. Uh, I've got a, a deal with a publisher coming out about uh, a book about the about the Birmingham music scene, about Good. the little bands and rappers and soul singers and stuff that are about now. And there's a few. There's a you know there's an like um, there's a few big names in there like the Twang and UB40 yep. and uh, and stuff like that. So I'm I'm a bit. Uh, distracted with that at the minute. I think the deadline might be Friday, and I've got to get it from something like seventy thousand words to sixty thousand words, and yeah. sort the photos. But um, who knows? After that, we'll see how that goes. And I'll probably have to like be boring everybody to death with that one on Facebook then for a bit. So when and is that I'll, book coming out, Stephen? I don't know. They they, they want to um, they want to crowdfund it. It's yeah. with History Press, and what they're saying to me is that if they can get. Uh, 500 people to sort of uh, pledge to buy it mm-hmm. by saying, you know, like, you know what they do with these books now? Yep. They say, if you want, if you want the name, if you want your name in the back yep. or, or something like, you know, you can pay for the book. And if you do it in advance, well, you get your name in your back and different things like that sort of um, rewards for crowdfunding, basically. So yep. they want to raise enough money to pub, to print 500 copies. If they raise enough money to print 500, they said they'll do a thousand. And uh, I'll, I'll want to do that because, um, there's, to be honest, there, there probably won't be a lot of, you know, I've looked at the contracts. I don't think there's going to be a lot of money in it for me. So uh, what, what I've decided to do, I don't know, I'm sure you knew him because everybody did, uh, is with, with um, I'm going to give half of my royalties to um, Paddy Dalton's family. Okay, yeah. Do you, do you, you, know, you know Paddy? I, you I knew his... of Paddy. Um, I, I didn't know him. I believe that I went to the same school, Kingshurst, as yeah. as Paddy, um, but he was a Facebook friend. I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely tragic because I mean he looked the life and soul of of the party, and really I believe, was. yeah, I believe he was. And it just shows you, doesn't it, with suicides and mental health, how you know anybody can can be a victim of that, and you know, God rest mm-hmm. him and, and all the rest. So I think that's going to a, a, a great fun there and 100% anything that you want to do regarding uh, SRB Media and with me, mate, I'm only too happy uh, to oblige there and to any of Paddy's family as well. Thanks, Paul. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, more length. I mean, um, his, his partner's sort of... Uh, She's she's kind of okayed what what I want to yeah. I want to dedicate the book to him. I've ri- written a little tribute to him and I've written a little story about him in the next book. Yeah. Uh, so um, and she she thinks that's lovely. So I think she's on board with it. And uh, I just need to get it sort of officially confirmed. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll be bothering you then on Facebook saying let me come on and talk about my next book. Absolutely anytime. Until next time, up the villa and keep right on. Uh, and uh, I'll just say up the blues because, uh, you know, as you can tell from the book, I've got a lot of blues, mate. Absolutely, and, um, yeah. There's no, no, no hatred in it at all, just banter.
Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely spot on because in my family, I mean, some of my grandkids are Aston Villa supporters. Um, a couple of my grandkids, well, three of my grandkids have got Aston Villa tops and got Grealish number 10 on the back. And, uh, you know, in our house, Jack Grealish is an absolute legend. And in some houses in my family, he's not, but he is, <laughs> he, but he is to me. And I just think Blues and Villa stick together because we're all family at the end of the day. And God bless everybody. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know I've got, I've got a mate who, who's quite famous for his uh, you know everybody says oh he really hates blues he does and uh, you know he he goes in the social and the, the used to go in the adventurers and that and I'd see him and I'd say uh, but what about so and so he's all right and he'd say oh yeah he's all right and I'd run through I'd run through a list of names yeah and he liked all of them and I'd <laughs> say you're supposed to really hate blues he said I do. The ones I know are all right. It's just all the ones I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the Addies, what a great place that was. Gazoo used to own that. What a top bloke as well. Yeah. Yeah, gone now, isn't he? Yeah, I know. Sadly, it has. Lots of our pubs have. And it's time for you and me to go as well, mate. So till next all time. All right, then, Paul. See till you soon, Pat. See, see you soon, Paul. <laughs> see you soon, pal. Okay. It's a tongue twister. Thank Cheer, you very much. Cheers, Paul. Stephen. Anytime, up. mate. Um, okay. Again, once again, congratulations with your book. It's it's an absolute page turner and uh, one of the best books I've ever read, mate. Well done. Brilliant. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers, pal. Bye-bye, then. And thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Time in smoky rooms where I good old women with cheap perfume say It never happens for people like us, you know Nothing ever happened on its own And while the toilet smells of desperation The streets soul echo of aggravation And you wonder why you can't get no sleep When you've got nothing to do and you've had nothing to eat Your life's slipping and sliding right out of you And there's absolutely nothing that you can From a TV mill that went cold from the wind through a smashed up window You can't go out if anybody calls you Cause you can't have a bath when there's no hot water And your friends are out on the town again And you ask yourself if it'll ever end And it's all too much for your head to take Just a matter of time before you break well 